0: Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York Sports Radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains, and this is New Report, Old Report, here on Monday, July 22nd from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or really wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at londonbridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437, or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll play what you have to say on air, again, by calling 929-274-3437. This week a final recap of NBA Free Agency, and we're talking baseball, specifically Cooperstown and the Baseball Hall of Fame. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Or we don't know? Well, Al, another exciting weeks in athletics, a little summer hiatus for us. We'll pretend we went on summer vacations, had a grand time for these last couple of weeks, all-inclusives. Let everybody in Radio Land just think we were living the dream for the last couple of weeks. Whether or not we were, that's up for them to decide. But we're back. It's very warm as we're recording this, an incredible heat wave on a Sunday night in summer of July. But It could be worse. We beg for this weather when the wintertime comes, so we'll enjoy it while we can, and we'll talk sports while the air conditioners blast in our respective places. We did miss, I think, maybe the last icing on the cake, so to speak, in the National Basketball Association when it came to the potential of the last couple big names that could be involved in a huge trade, and it did end up happening It was a little bit maybe eye-raising in a sense, but the way that NBA free agency has been the past couple of weeks, nothing is surprising anymore. We see Russell Westbrook, the last remaining member of what could have been the dynasty in the NBA, leave the Oklahoma City Thunder and leave them with Chris Paul in his wake as he moves over to play with one James Harden and the Houston Rockets, who look to get over the hump that they so desperately talk about on social media over and over and over again. (laughs) How are we going to do this? It was unfair for that. What are we going to do to get better? Well, we'll see if this attempt, back to the drawing board, will work, making another duo, a huge duo again, keeping the trend alive in the NBA, where we seemingly have one-twos on 10 to a dozen teams, and we'll see how this pans out. That's the excitement to kind of put a cap on what was quite a frenetic NBA free agency.
1: Well, John, it's great to be back, and, and folks, don't let John Tinyline fool you with this you know, where was he for the last couple of weeks. You know, he was rubbing elbows with the rich and famous. Details uh, uh, to be given at a later date, but if you think he was out there taking ditches or camping, he was out there with the beautiful people, uh, you know, carousing about uh, on his vacation with his beautiful girlfriend. So, and, and we are indeed back with the New Report, Old Report. And we finish off the wild and woolly NBA postseason, as you have alluded to, uh, with now the, f- shall we call it the fourth super duo in the West, as we now have MVPs, Russell Westbrook and James Harden together in Houston, huh? to go with. The newly minted pair in Los Angeles uh, in the clip joint, which are, of course, champion Kawhi Leonard and never a champion uh, and probably never will be, Paul George. Uh, Villain Kawhi
0: Leonard, just to quickly interrupt how he'll be known on this show henceforth. Villain Kawhi Leonard, continue. Bad
1: guy, bad guy, Kawhi Leonard. Manipulator Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard. And uh, un, un, certainly not in the commissioner's book, but clearly anybody else who has a brand book. How should we say, violator of Article 35, Rule 35 of the NBA uh, Constitution, uh, Tamra Kawhi land, right? as he is now with Paul George, uh, who was acquired via trade. Of course, the Lakers with LeBron James and the newly acquired A.D. Anthony Davis. Uh, And we've got the pair in Golden State, unfortunately one of which is injured, but the arguably thought by many best shooting backcourt of all time, clearly the best shooting backcourt in the NBA presently, and probably the best backcourt in the NBA presently Uh, in the injured Mr. Thompson and the two-time MVP, uh, everybody's huggable, lovable, uh, Mr. Curry. So we've got those four pairs of superstars. uh, Unfortunately, not all of them ready to roll because of uh, Thompson's injury, but I think he's going to be back a lot sooner than a lot of people think. Uh, The biggest question now since this last deal is, of course, as you alluded to, how can these two play together? Because Chris Paul and James Harden really couldn't pull it off. We don't know what went on inside that locker room. We will never know what the truth was. Is is it because they could not get along? Is it because uh, there was no way in the world they were going to win a title with those two and they could win one or they think they can win one with a newly acquired Westbrook to go without? I have no idea. You know, some people say Chris Paul is very well liked. Other people say Chris Paul is intensely disliked. He's the Headers Players Association. You heard rumblings from other players that he only looks to protect uh, the big-time guys. He's not looking for the middle of the league or the low echelon of the league. We have no way of knowing that. All we know is that Chris Paul is now in the, for lack of a better term, rebuilding Oklahoma City Thunder. And they got quite a haul in the deal. Because they gave up Westbrook. Uh, so they got more picks. Uh, so AKC, OKC is clearly in a rebuild mode with, I think, seven first round picks uh, besides their own coming in, the, in future years. And we will see if it's possible to take two former MVP guards who are clear ball dominators, without a doubt, by f- clearly two ball dominators as said by many to be at fault as ball dominators at fault in that the offense does not move. The ball does not move dribble, dribble, dribble dribble. now to his credit. Westbrook played a good portion of the season off the ball or clearly, clearly uh, giving some of his game to Paul George and playing more of a backseat from a scoring aspect to Paul George. He had a terrible season, probably his worst ever from three-point range. Clearly, his worst ever from the three-point or from the free throw line. Uh, he did not have a good season shooting the basketball. He's not a great point shooter, great three-point shooter, but this was clearly his worst season as a three-point shooter. Who's going to get the basketball? Who's going to dominate? Will James Harden be willing to give the basketball up and not dribble the ball for 17 seconds at the 24-second shot Will Russ be able to be more of a distributor? when he's got the ball and play a really the second cargo when Harden is dominating. How's it going to, how is that going to roll? It's intriguing to see. I think Houston is better without a doubt because I think there is no doubt in my mind that Russell Westbrook is a better player than Chris Paul. He is healthier. He is bigger. He is stronger. He's a better defender when he wants to defend and He's a guy who, to me, is still playing with a chip on his shoulder. And this is where he wanted to go. This was an amicable party. This was him sitting down with Sam Presti together as a duo and figuring out that the rebuilding process had begun in OKC with the trade of Paul George. And if we're going to rebuild, let's move Russ Let's do it now. Let's get the most we can get for them. And on Russia's end, I'm good with it. I'm cool with it. Here's where I want to go. And to their mutual credit, they got it done, I think to the benefit of all parties, for the future of all parties. OKC continues their rebuild mode. They got value. What they're going to do with Chris Paul remains to be seen. And on the Houston end, I think they are clearly better and a legitimate championship contender in the West.
0: Yeah, I I think the move adds even more excitement to the Western Conference, something that we thought was done with. Based on the moves that had already happened, it's like, okay, this is it. This is who we got, this is who's gonna go up against who. Then all of a sudden, this this blockbuster move happens. And you gotta feel bad, I guess, I I don't know. The funny part of these moves is you'll hear both sides comment after the deal is done, as is par tradition. Russell Westbrook, incredibly grateful to the OKC fans. Also very much looking forward to playing in Houston with James Harden. James Harden the same way. Couldn't say anything bad about Chris Paul. Very much looking forward to play with Russell Westbrook. It just seems like whenever you build up a storyline in your head of player A most certainly would hate player B, and there's no way player C wants to go play with Team D, when the deals are made and the dust settles and they all make their comments, we find out that we know absolutely nothing about these players or these teams or these coaches or what they say on the court based on what they're doing off of it, as we saw in incredible fashion with what Kawhi Leonard was able to do going to the Los Angeles Clippers. But I think this brings more excitement to the Rockets not to say that they've improved tenfold, but I agree with you that they did get better with this deal. And a part I think of me they loves make, I think Russell Westbrook.
1: Mar- I think they make a market improvement. Yeah. A market improvement on both sides of the ball. And remember, they also have everybody back. They have Eric Gordon back. An excellent scorer and good defender. Of course, they have Tucker, a premier defender. And they have Capella. And they will be, I believe, an Many thought they were the second best team in the West, best record, in the West, uh, second best team in the league, the best chance to knock off golden state didn't happen. Golden state, not going to come back the way we've seen them to come back. It's obviously KD gone, Thompson hurt, uh, the new addition of D'Angelo Russell. I think it will be a good addition that remains to be seen how that's always how going to fit in. Uh, without Thompson and with Thompson, how he and Steph will share the ball, another intriguing scenario. And we haven't even mentioned the fact that many people think Utah has the best 35 in the West with the addition of their new point guard, Mike Conley, from Memphis. Uh, Or the fact that we haven't mentioned Portland with Damian Lillard and his new massive contract. And hopefully... Hopefully, we don't know the return of their center, but that was such a brutal injury in the postseason. We have no way of knowing uh, if he will, will be back healthy and when. That could be the a, a type of injury where he will never be the same. It was such a brutal injury. The same way we never know if Gordon Haywood's ever going to be the same in Boston. But uh, and, and you, you have teams that we don't even discuss in the playoff mix that have great talent. I, I mean. A, a, no one ever talks about Carl anthony Towns I still think that Carl anthony Towns may be the best all-around big man in the game they talk about Joel Embiid they talk about the MVP Giannis they talk about Nurkic they talk about AD nobody ever talks about Kat he is a lost soul in the Netherlands. What's the word? Netherlands? Netherlands. Netherlands? Yeah. What's the proper term?
0: A ways You're away. Young and smart. We, we, You're yeah. young and
1: smart. What do they call that, that middle of nowhere? What's the term? I think for He's, the old
0: report, that would be Timbuktu for the purposes of this show.
1: Carl Anthony Towns, I think, is a tremendous all-around big man. He's never hurt. He goes out there and gives you constant production, yet he is never mentioned in the top flight grouping of big men. And I think he's every bit as good as Joel Embiid. I don't think he's as good as Anthony Davis, but I do think he's as good as Joel Embiid. I think he's a better job of staying healthy, does a better job of being on the court, and is much more consistent. I would rather have him. Than on my, I'd rather have Davis, but I'd rather have Carl Anthony Towns. And we don't even mention Minnesota because they're in a constant rebuilding mode, no matter how many first-round draft picks they have.
0: If you're a Thunder fan, <laughs> I mean, it's it's still a little hazy. The, the memory's getting a little bit dimmer of the trip to the NBA Finals, being that 2012, I believe. So the years are passing, but that's still something to talk about this young scrappy team with these potential superstars the future was so bright snap of a finger didn't turn out how they wanted it to at least in full but many of those pieces remained I mean what are we four years removed from taking the Warriors to the brink up 3-1 ready to go back to the NBA finals and play LeBron James and they blow it but you still think all right. Look, out, it's fine. A we'll couple be back. more pieces. We'll be back.
1: We'll be back. We'll be back. Snap
0: of a finger. You're, you're arguably we'll be the best. He, he's going. How many he's times leaving have to, we where, He's going where? He's playing with how, who? What?
1: How, how many times have we heard, whether it's the talking heads, the experts, the former players, current players, all echo the same sentiment? This notion of okay, well, we'll get a chance to go back. And they hearkened back to that one opportunity, and the second opportunity never came. Russell Westbrook's been to one final. James Harden's been to one final. KD had to leave to go to his next group of finals. It goes quickly, like the blink of an eye, not just time, but the passing of players, their contracts, the financial machinations. It was not a great deal of money that Sam Presti would have, the Thunder would have had to pony up to retain James Harden. It was relatively modest in today's terms. When the time was there to pony up what he wanted – It may have been a lot of money in that time frame. Now it is not. Now you would laugh at a team that would lose a player for that amount of money. So as a result, they make the trade. Uh, They get value, but the team that gets the best player almost always wins the trade. And they did, even though they did get value. Uh, and, And now they're all gone. All three drafted by OKC, all three MVPs, all three gone, not to be forgotten, but slowly but surely forgotten.
0: And it's, I guess, living in the moment, being prisoners of the moment and thinking that it's the norm for it to be so easy in a sense to for a team or a player to get back to the finals and i think that's because we've just been spoiled starting number 1 with the greatest basketball player to ever live in michael jordan being there every year in the prime years obviously not early on but every year you thought well the bulls are going to get to the finals and who's going to take down mj so then that kind of petered away and then it opened but, up yeah, a little you bit have to go-
1: you have to go. Remember, this is a league of dynasties. Right. Exactly. So it wasn't just it wasn't just the Bulls. I mean, the, the Celtics of my childhood. right? the Celtics and the Sixers, my Lakers. You know, from before you were born. I'm too. Go, there was a go, time go, for go, mine. Go, then, then your Lakers. Then our Lakers. You know, but my Lakers eight trips to the finals in ten years.
0: Right. Eight trips in ten years. But for whatever reason. People think that that applies to all the teams in the league. And if you take a step back, it's been LeBron James, whatever team he's on, these Warriors, okay. And then, okay, who? Where else? Not your team, not in your case. These superstar players and these carrying their squads to the finals and coming up short or potentially winning... It's not the norm for everyone to just assume, oh, it's fine, they'll be back. And I don't know why that's the first place that we go to where that where it seemingly is so easy. And it has changed a little where it's become, in some cases, the player doing it and not the team. The jersey doesn't necessarily matter. It's the player that matters in the case of LeBron James. You could argue in the case of Kevin Durant, but he did have a great what's now a small dynasty cast around him as well it's somewhat been the players doing it but that's still no reason to think oh it's James Harden he'll have no problem getting back to the finals it's Russell Westbrook, he'll have no problem getting back to the finals it's not easy man I don't know why, and even this year oh LeBron James is Anthony Davis he'll get back to the finals I don't know, you still have to cross your fingers if you're a fan of these teams, if you're a fan of the sport I don't know why we've we've somehow made it seem like it is a sure thing. There's only two spots Al. (laughs) okay? Not everybody can do it. Many experts, for whatever their opinions are worth,
1: are predicting that the Golden State Warriors will not even make the playoffs. So forget about the finals. Look how quickly, again, you snap your fingers, and what a drastic change. We went into this past season thinking, just the Warriors, the title is theirs. Then come the injuries. Not just KD, but then Thompson goes down. So they're crippled for the balance of the finals. Kawhi traded to another country. Battles his way through a LeBronless East to take on a banged-up Warriors squad. His team plays better. They get the Duke. KD officially leaves. Thompson's out for the first at least half of the season. And now many experts say the Golden State's not even a playoff team. When many were like, when are they going to not win the title? Okay, when KD leaves, and the Warriors will just be the favorite, not the prohibitive favorite. Well, KD left, and now they're not even a prohibitive favorite to make the playoffs, not the finals, folks to be one of eight in the postseason in the West because of a various amount of circumstances. Uh, unfortunately, their own pratfalls with injuries. Loss of a superstar player who's probably not going to play uh, much, if at all, this coming season. Yes, they bring in D'Angelo Russell. They bring back uh, Thompson, albeit hurt. They bring back Looney. But... Everybody else in the West who was a playoff team is the same or markedly better. So as a result, many have them on the outside looking, at I do not. I think they will make the postseason, but that's for another day, another month, another show. It just changes in the blink of an eye when you least expect it. And that is what is really one of the true great things about following sports. These things can change so incredibly quickly, not just who's going to be a champion, but just the downfall of an entire organization. Literally within, we went into the NBA postseason with the notion and mindset in our heads that one player holds the future and balance of power, in the palm of his hand. Kevin Durant. And that was regardless of his calf strain. That was with his calf strength. Because he was going to get healthy. He was going to be 100% next year. And where he went. whether If he stayed. Or if he went. Wherever he went. It was going to change the balance of power at the end of the day. Because he was leaving Golden State. So wherever he went. Golden State was going to be nearly as good. And somebody was going to get a hell of a lot better. And within Two weeks from trying to figure out what he was going to play in the finals to him playing in the finals, rupturing his Achilles, being out for, in all probability, the lion's share of 2019-2020. As a net, And Kawhi Leonard winning a championship, back during the entire NBA, including everyone who thought they knew anything and everything about free agency, about the player, about the age, about where he would go, he becomes, not KD, Kawhi Leonard, becomes the one player who changes the balance of power in the NBA. That all happened in the span of about two weeks. Remarkable. Truly remarkable.
0: And I I think that's what's going to make the season, when it comes around, a little bit more exciting than the past couple just because the narrative won't be as easy to just pinpoint the, well, the Warriors are going to win and LeBron will get to the finals in the East and blah, 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 we'll do it all over again manana, to celebrate the 15-year history of shine on sports. Well, We're not going to get you, that, and that's going to be have, exciting.
1: You have LeBron, a story in and of himself, as usual but for five different reasons. Did anybody think the Lakers were going to make the playoffs last year? Did anybody think LeBron was going to suffer the first serious injury of his career? Absolutely not. But again, blink of an eye. So now the question is, is LeBron going to make his way back to the playoffs in a loaded Western Conference and find a way to this Western Conference final? As a lifelong Laker fan, my response to that is, that's all well and good, but do me a favor. Enough of this lovey-dovey, hugs and kisses. We're all buddies, NBA. It's a player's league. We'll move where we want. Well, how about since you're now in my house playing for my team, which is not your team, it's been my team my whole life. So how about you do this? Since you tried to bring Kawhi Leonard aboard, and Kawhi Leonard not only slapped you in the face and said, I'm not coming. He also said, not only am I not coming, I'm going to play with somebody else who I handpicked to play with instead of you. And I'm doing it in your building to make matters of intent, Insult to injury. Not only don't I want to play with you in Los Angeles, I want to play with somebody else in Los Angeles on another team. So you want to know what? Before you talk about winning championships with the third team of your career, Kawhi LeBron. How about you do this? How about you win the city? Can we start with that? See if you can win the city. And whenever this guy comes into my building, which he's a tenant in, how about you kick his ass? How about the Lakers kick the Clippers' ass every game they play in that building this year? Because they're going to play all their games in that building, whether they're home or whether they're quote-unquote away. How about when he comes into your house? The guy that didn't want to play with you, who you recruited, the guy who said, I'm going to play in your city, in your building, but I'd rather do it with somebody else. How about you kick his living ass instead of giving him a kiss on the cheek and a bro hug? That's what Larry Bird would have done. That's what Magic Johnson would have done. That's what Isaiah Thomas would have done. That's what Michael Jordan would have done. And that's what Kobe Bryant would have done. And until you start doing that, you're never going to be the kind of foot on the throat, steely eyed killer be killed competitor that they were and you're always going to have that fault, no matter how great a player you are until you show me you're willing to do that so show me
0: let's take a quick break to pay the bills he's al renato i'm john lunn we'll be right back with the new report old report here on sports radio america we welcome you back. I'm John Lund, he's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And I think the fascinating thing to go right along with that, where the scales have somewhat tilted in today's NBA, is it's no longer, I want to win with this team. It, it, for the long run, it's, I want to win with a couple of these guys with that team that just so happens to have the room for us to join and do so. And it's no longer the name on the front of the jersey, but it's turned a little bit onto the name on the back. And we we could just look back and I think the stat is the last eight NBA Finals MVPs are no longer on the team that they won the NBA Finals MVP with, Because now it's become... Do you want me? Can I fit? Can I bring him, him, and maybe him? And we'll do this until I want to do something else. It's fascinating. And I don't know when the scales will tip back to get to where, as you were mentioning, more so how it's been in the past of I'm staying with this team. You can bring whomever you want to join me, but I'm going to make this team great. It'll be my team And we'll ride it out as long as we possibly can. The scales have tipped the other way. And now, if you're a fair-weather NBA fan, it's no longer, let me root for the Warriors. It's pick your favorite player and follow him wherever he goes. And get ready to put the jersey on the clearance rack potentially after two or three seasons. Because that's where it's going to end up. Well,
1: I I can never do that because I am the old report. And I have been fortunate enough to see... Jerry West and Elgin Baylor, Lakers for life. I've been fortunate enough to see Magic Johnson and James Worthy, Lakers for life. And I've been fortunate enough to see Kobe Bryant, Laker for life. Those are all-time players for the franchise of record, all of whom won championships. The first of which in Los Angeles won by the logo, the great Jerry West, the last of which won by Kobe B. Bryant. Now the question is, will the vagabond, will the traveling roadshow, will the I'll pack up my bags and go where I think I have the best chance to win a championship, the self-proclaimed greatest player of all time, along with Anthony Davis, and a roster constructed basically overnight to his credit, by Rob Palenka, after they pushed their chips in the middle of the table, all in for Kawhi, and he bitch slapped LeBron and said, uh-uh, don't want to play with you. Don't want to be in this building with you. Want to be in this building with somebody else. Guy who's never wanna think, One Paul George. Can that roster put together quickly stay healthy, defend well enough, and mesh as a group with Frank Vogel and Lionel the Trade Hollands, etc. And of course, the eventual Hall of Famer Jason Kidd come together to be a strong playoff top of the West, top four in the West uh, team as time goes on during this season. And that remains to be seen because of the, I think, uh, brittleness and age of some of the players. We know that Boogie Cousins was a bargain and he's lost a lot of weight already. So he should be coming in with a clear and concise mindset in terms of something to prove to every front office exec in the league that I'm back, I'm healthy, I can have an impact at next year, really a last grasp, so to speak, at a big contract for him. Uh, And if he can stay healthy and play well and a rather, I don't want to say major, I'd say a somewhat limited role for the Lakers. You know, 20 minutes a game, if fully healthy, maybe more, but not a lot more. Can Rajon Rondo be a contributor, stay healthy off the bench? What are they going to get from the newly acquired off-guard in and world champion? Who they paid up to get but had a miserable finals uh, and was outplayed terribly and was uh, almost committed a turnover that could have cost them the series clinching game. But who knows if they lose that game, uh, a good defender, uh, what will they get from him? Uh, they are a roster that has a lot of talent depth, but will a good chunk of that talent stay healthy? LeBron coming off the first major injury of his career. AD has had injury issues at times. Nothing major. But, you know, he doesn't have any 82-game seasons under his belt. But I think they have a chance to be very good. I like Frank Vogel as a coach. I think he's going to do a good job. I like the group of assistants they put together because it's a very well-respected group in terms of coaching acumen. Uh, Guys like playing for Jason Kidd. Guys like playing for Lyle Hollins. I think it's a very good combination, but we saw what injuries did to the Warriors. We saw what injuries did to the Lakers with with the loss of LeBron James and the underrated loss, very underrated loss, of Lonzo Ball. So I think they have a chance to be a top-half Western Conference playoff team, one through four. Whether or not that happens is a total and complete crapshoot and question.
0: And 10 years from now, for a last point, it, it will be interesting to see, across the league as a whole, how one would tell somebody 20 years down the road how those 10 years panned out. Because when I become the old report, and you're the very, very old report, I might be telling my kids the glory days of when you could be a fan of the Lakers and Kobe Bryant spent his entire career with the team. The glory days, it doesn't so much happen in baseball, but the glory days of when you were a Yankees fan and it was Jeter, it was Rivera, etc., for all those World Series championships. For all we know, it could be the Lakers won two with LeBron and Anthony Davis. LeBron left to go wherever. Anthony Davis brought in so-and-so. They won one. AD left. Then it was these two guys. Five years from now, they won. It's going to be hard to keep track of all these people. It used to be easy. You used to just be able to – the lineups would mostly remain the same. You'd have a couple carryovers. Like, was Luke Longley on that team? or? But you would, you would get the gist. Now that's not so much the case, and, it, and it's very interesting taking a step back, looking at today's NBA, and seeing how much we're in that point. It's going to be like looking at a video game when the season starts, and you went in and made all these trades and put these guys on the nets because it was your brother's favorite team, and you moved these guys over to the Lakers because you want to – it's going to be amazing to see, and you're going to take a step back and go, geez – Steph Curry is the longest-tenured MVP superstar still with the team that he was drafted on. It's crazy how much the league has evolved, not only with what they do as a league as a whole, but what the players are now doing to the league. And who knows what's going to happen with it, but at least this isn't a bad thing. It does bring some excitement, like we said. This season has so many storylines to follow I think it can only help the league, and we'll see what the end result is. But it's something that's not as easy to just go down to Vegas and take the Warriors to win minus 300 because it's a sure thing. That changed overnight, and that's been the fascinating thing about the NBA. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. I guess offense to Lee Smith and Harold Baines, because they could be sitting across from me on the couch, and, and I wouldn't be able to tell you one thing about them, but they made the Hall of Fame today, as did the four voted in. Mariano Rivera, Mr. Unanimous, the Moose, Mike Mussina, Posthumously, Roy Holliday with Brandy Holliday giving the speech. A great tribute to him as well. Edgar Martinez sneaking in there, reminding people who he is. Did you have any interest in today's festivities? I unfortunately could not watch. I did catch a couple highlights, but is this something you're still sitting down for those hours? In the air conditioning, thankfully, not like the guys down at Cooperstown that had to deal with the heat today. But are you still interested in what happens with the baseball Hall of Fame and specifically before they got in?
1: I'm I'm always interested in what happens. I've never been for watching the Grand Joy's speeches uh, for any of the Hall of Fames because they're laborious. Uh, I'm a huge fan, obviously, of baseball. I'm a huge fan of the Hall of Fame. And... I'm a huge fan of certainly uh, two of the members who were elected. Uh, Mariano Rivera, as you said, Mr. Unanimous, and no-doubter, no-brainer, even though I'm not a Yankee fan. He exudes everything that is great about the game of baseball as a game, as a profession, and as a business. Because he always handled himself impeccable on all three fronts, with teammates, with opponents, with fans, and with management. You never heard any real unrest with Mariano Rivera when it came contract time. If there were issues, they were never blabbered out in the press. They were always taken care of, and it was disposed of in a business-like fashion and a professional fashion. That's the way he handled himself on the field. He was respectful and he was respected. He was an obvious unanimous choice, if there ever was one. Clearly the greatest closer in the history of the sport. The greatest relief pitcher in the history of the sport. I am a a very hard marker. I am old school. I am the old report. Despite that, I was on the Mike Cusina bandwagon. When I took a close look at the quote-unquote body of work, clearly not a compiler, 120 games his last season, pitched in the AL East in the height of the performance-enhancing drug era, in bad box ballparks, throughout his career, 481 each year in Baltimore, a, a true Little Lake Park. And f- playing at Yankee Stadium, playing at Fenway Park. And facing monsters. Guys who were juiced up. An absolute craftsman. Yes, the lifetime era was high because again when was he pitching where was he pitching but look at the number of wins versus the number of losses this notion of wins don't matter is just a crock of crap who goes to the postseason the team with the most wins who gets home field the team with the most wins who wins series the teams with the most wins who's the world champion the team that wins the World Series by winning the most games. So if you're a starting pitcher, how is wins not important? Somebody explain that to me. I'm lost. How are runs batted in? Not important. When when you back runs in, it takes right, it takes runs to win games. How are RBIs? Not important. How are wins? Not somebody on the analytics mode, show me the computer mindset. Show me the logarithm, the algorithm. The war model that says, Well, this guy was five and seventeen. We want to know what he was a lot better than the guy was 17 and 5. That's a pile of shit. Give me wins. Wins get it done. Wins put me at the top of the heat. If I went ten to eight or I went two to one. Go out there and give up less runs than your team scores. Mike Musida did it. He did it for his entire career. He did it in two places, and he did it in ballparks that were the most difficult ballparks in all of Major League Baseball to pitch. In an era that was the most difficult era in the history of the sport to pitch in. Hall of Famer, no problem. I'm sorry, I'm never voting for a DH. Edgar Martinez, you couldn't play the field when you were healthy. Then you weren't healthy enough to play it. You were a terrific hitter, but you were a part time ball And also, if you look at the years, you weren't a dominant, top of the league, average home runs, RBIs. You were a very good hitter. You don't have 3,000 hits, you don't have 500 home runs, you were a DH. A terrific one. Sorry, not a Hall of Famer in my book. Lee Smith, believe it or not, I believe is a Hall of Famer. Because if you look at Lee Smith's numbers over the length of his career, where he pitched, when he pitched, and how the role of a relief pitcher changed throughout his career, I do not have a huge problem either way with Lee Smith. If you said, no, I can live with it. If you said, yes, I can live with it. Is he a slam dunk all time? Absolute gotta be? Of course not. Neither's Mike Bucina. The only member of this class that is a slam dunk is Mariano Rivera. We know there are different classes for Hall of Families. We know they're all in the same room, but we know there's a certain room that is the best of the best. But that's not the only room. However, there is no room For Harold Baines. And I like Harold Baines. Harold Baines was a really good player for a long time. And then he became a DH. And he was a really good DH for a long time. But Harold Baines was never a great player. Never. There were stretches where Lee Smith was a great reliever, there were stretches where Mike Messina was a great starter. There was never a stretch where Harold Baines was a great hitter. He was a very good hitter. He was a very good RBI man. He was, in his youth, a very good outfielder with a very strong arm. But he was never, ever a great player. If you were never, ever a great player, you're not my Hall of Fame.
0: I would agree with that. Obviously, Rivera is a no-brainer and and that's being kind. I don't, I don't even know how far you could go down the list of adjectives for how deserving he was to get in the way he did. Moose, I am thrilled that he got in. Obviously, since he was on the Yankees and I'm a Yankees fan, I got to see him pitch a lot more than he was with the Orioles. And he, he was just somebody that when his start came around, it wasn't a relief, but it was a sense of, all right, even if he doesn't have his best stuff today, we'll be fine. And I think because he was with the Yankees, people saw that, even though he didn't win a World Series and didn't win the side And young. If,
1: if, I, if I may interject on the music, on the, this, this is how close, within fractions, hairs, these things are measured. Mike Mussina was in, within two outs of two no-hitters. And one of those, one strike away from a perfect game. So, you know, if both of those outs went his way, it wouldn't even be a discussion. Because he'd have a hall, he'd have a perfect game and a second no-hitter on the resume. He's got neither. Because he had a no-hitter broken up with two outs in the ninth. And he had a perfect game broken up with two outs and two strikes in the ninth against the Redskins.
0: Carl Everett, I'll never forget it.
1: Line drive to lefty.
0: Oh, God. (laughs) Heartbreaking. But just seeing the highlights from today, you forget, I mean, these guys used to just go eight, nine innings with with ease, seemingly. They might give up three or four runs, but no problem. He's yelling at Joe Torre to get back in the dugout. In the ninth, guys on base, pitch count well over 100. Get back in the dugout. Joe Girardi goes, or Joe Torrey says, yeah, you're right. I got you. My bad. It's great, isn't it? Wasn't it great? This was Wasn't pitching. It, it was great to watch him work. I fashioned a, a knuckle curve from watching him pitch. What the hell do I know about a that's, knuckle curve? That's, 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 you have to remember.
1: Again, you, you have to now look to the old report. That's the way they were raised. They were raised as pitchers to pitch, not six innings, not looking over their shoulders, not asking what their pitch count was. Their job as starting pitchers was to go out and empty the tank, not do it six innings, but realize they're going out there to go nine innings so to have to know how to pitch to know if I have my best stuff a certain night, what am I going to rely on if I got my great stuff still, what am I going to get him out how am I going to mix my pitches, what's my best pitch tonight, what am I going to do the second time through the order, how am I going to approach him the third time with you, I've got this guy in this group of pitches, I've showed him this before, now I can't show him that again how am I going to go approach, what's my approach to me next time up? now third time through the order, get him out Because the guys upstairs with the slide rules and the computers and the sandals from Harvard and Yale with the pens in their pockets, all right, the smart guys, say, well, you know, this guy in the third at bat against a breaking ball, it's 332. And his best pitch right now is a breaking ball at this stage of the game that's realized, we're going to get him out. That's what the analytics say. He can't pitch anymore. Once he goes to face those guys for the third time, we know that his best stop is what they hit, that's what the computer says. Right. Now, perish the thought—he can now start rely on his fastball, or he knows how to pitch well enough that he can change elevations and move inside, move outside, mix his pitches to the extent that he gives them a different look to the game the first time or the second time, or he simply doesn't have the ability to do that because he was never taught how to do it. He was taught to go out there and throw as hard as he can for six innings and give the ball up, because that's all we're looking for. Th- thus the parade, thus the commissioner, speed up the game. But on the other hand, let's play the game with a Super Bowl so we score 18 runs again. But, you know, we didn't touch the baseball. We didn't do anything to the baseball. Oh, no. Okay, Mr. Commissioner. I, I mean, is there any – they, they complain about the NFL commissioner. I complain about the NBA commissioner because he's got no balls. And yet you have this guy who's just an out-and-out liar. We didn't do anything to baseball. You bought the company that makes the baseballs.
0: (laughs) As a quick aside, too, reading David Cohn's new book, Full Count, The Education of a Pitcher, with help from Jack Curry. Shout out to those guys. Fantastic read about the different stages of his career, but really going into the mind of somebody that said, I'm going out here pitching nine innings, whether I have my best stuff or not. I'll figure a way to get through it. It's it's a phenomenal read for people that were pitchers and people that just love the game of baseball. So we'll, you know, I'm sure we'll get some retribution we, for that. Regardless <laughs> we'll of the minute.
1: fact that he was in his prime and late prime for two teams that I've always despised, the Mets and the Yankees, you can make, if you look at the numbers in this day and age, a strong argument for David Cohn being in the Hall of Fame. His winning percentage, perfect game, championships, game pitcher. I believe that David Cohn is one of the, probably not one of the, David Cohn is of this era, so to speak. When I say and I'm gonna say 80s on. Okay? That covers a period of 40 years. That David Cohn is probably the most underrated starting pitcher of his time.
0: The unfortunate thing for Roy Holiday is he got lost with the Blue Jays. I mean, they weren't doing anything spectacular. He was. And he's
1: winning, but he's winning Cy Young. Yes, he,
0: he was the Blue Jays. Every time right. he pitched, you would be like, well, we're going to lose this one, but we'll take the next three against them. No problem. And then when he went to the Phillies... They had already won the World Series, and they were coming down from that. He didn't get a chance to to hoist the trophy or do anything with them. He kind of missed the boat in both those circumstances, and you could argue the same for Mussina if he stuck with the O's.
1: And just the opposite with Cone. Yes, he missed out. Well, he he was there for 88 when they got upset. Right. But he's there with the Jays, and he's got that joyride with the Yankees. So, you know, he really... Uh, I don't want to say right place, right time because he was a huge part of all of those teams. It's a huge part of the Jays' teams, a huge part of the Mets' success, and obviously uh, at the end of his career, a glorious end of his career.
0: Talked to baseball and we ran out of time. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next Folks, week. Folks,
1: back after a two-week hiatus, he's John Tiny Lund, IML am Al Renato, and the Alphaboy Plates. This has been New Report, him, Old Report, me. Stay cool. Enjoy your week. We'll talk to you next week. Take care, everybody.
0: We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well. Or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.